0: We're gonna spend I don't know about four to six weeks in. Uh, that has to do. We 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 spent my church and we identified what his church looks like, what the church is supposed to look like in the earth. Why we're here, why the church is here. Uh, you know these are questions that we've asked. Why do we go to church? Why do we need a church? And the first thing that we established was that the church is not a building. The church is not a building. It's not a place. It's not an event. The church is a people. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about building uh, an assembly place. He was building a people that would assemble in one accord. But these people are to go out into the world and be a light to the world, be salt in the earth, and change the world. That's what the disciples did when they went out in the book of Acts. When the church was formed there in Acts chapter 2, then they went out into all Judea, Samaria, all The parts of the earth taking the power and message of the kingdom of God to change the world. Amen. So what I want to look at today is the question that that series and that identification should have prompted within within each of us. And that is, what do I play? What role do I play in the church? If the church is about a people, then what role do I play Being a person in the church What is my role What is my gift Or assignment in the body of Christ And there's something I want to look at first Before we get into that In Joshua chapter 7 Joshua chapter 7 We're going to look at a very uh, It might be disturbing For some of us to see this Basically what has taken place Is Joshua has uh, Brought the people of Israel Out of the wilderness. Moses brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness. We know they wandered around for 40 years. And Joshua brings them into the promised land. And the first place they hit was Jericho. And we know the story. They surround Jericho. They walk around it for seven days. On the seventh day, they walk around it seven times, not saying a word. Then they shout with a loud voice, and the walls come down. This was a great victory. God really showed himself in this instance. But then we get... Here to Joshua chapter 7. And in verse 1, they come up against a town called Ai. Now here's the problem. When they went into Jericho, God gave them a strict command. Do not take anything. Do not take any spoils. Do not take any gold. Do not take any jewelry. Do not take any of the people captive. Do not take anything. That was the command. So here we are. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoils and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city Behind it. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us at the first that we shall flee before them. Actually, you know what? I'm reading the wrong chapter. I'm reading the wrong chapter. We're in chapter 7. Chapter 7. Let's try that again. But the children of Israel committed a trespass against the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. What are we looking at? We have a man named Achan that has stolen, has taken things from Jericho that he was not to take. So verse 2, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack ai do not weary all the people there for the people of ai are few this town of ai was about as small as its name not very many people and so Jer- and so joshua says you know we don't need the whole army we don't need to take everyone just take a few thousand with you go up and we'll take this town we just came out of this great victory of jericho we saw what god did there god's going to go before us here this won't be a problem this is a small town But watch what happens in verse 3, verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Joshua tore his clothes. Fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it, surround us, cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? But watch what God says back to Joshua in verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have, spent, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Watch what happens here. Who stole from Jericho? How many people stole from Jericho? How many people are listed as having taken something from Jericho? One person. But in verse 10... God says, Israel. He counts the entire nation as having committed the act of the one person. He says, Israel has sinned. Israel has taken of the accursed things. Israel. The entire nation. So here's what I want to look at today. We're starting a new series called Working Together. And we just identified the church is not a building, not a place, not an event. It is a people. But here's a mistake that we make commonly in church, is we view ourselves as an individual disconnected from the rest of the church. And we put it on ourselves that what I do or the role that I play really doesn't matter. And this is a view or a picture in church That is not how God sees it. When God saw the entire nation, he didn't see them as different individuals. He saw them as one. Not as many entities, but of one. The nation of Israel had different tribes. There were 12 tribes of Israel. Within those tribes were different clans, different generations. We have old, we have young. But he sees them all as one. When God sees his church, he doesn't see his church as many different individuals. He sees them as one entity, his church. One church, one body, but with many different members. And so the first thing we have to realize here is that if we're going to be a part of his church, that we have a role that we play that requires all of us and we're connected to each other. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Our our number one priority in church should be to find out what our role is. Getting connected to a church means getting plugged in and supporting and finding a fit and there's a work to do. Yes, there's a purpose of church where we're being trained up, we're being equipped and we're being empowered, but that equipping, that training, and that empowering is so that we can go do something. Do something. And I hope that I've already begun to change your definition of church uh, from when, when you hear the word church, you don't just think of Oh, that thing that I do on Sunday mornings, or that place that I go to, or that address or that uh, that building, but that you understand that I am the church and I need to be the church, and so there's a doing, there's a work that's involved there. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That is the fivefold ministry. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. We see here that there is an equipping of the body of Christ, a strengthening of the body of Christ, so you can do the work of ministry. Now, some of us, you know, when we think of ministry, we just think of, you know, having a microphone and you're standing in front of people preaching, but that's not actually what ministry means at all. The word ministry means to serve. It means serving. So when you are ministering to someone, you are serving them. The goal and purpose of the church is to minister to the world, to serve the world. There are needs that need to be met out there. You and I know it. We go to work. We wake up Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and we are surrounded by the needs that you and I are here to meet. We are the entity of Jesus in the earth. We are the body of Christ. And we see plenty of people going through Walmart, going through Target, at your jobs, just going through your day-to-day, and you say, man, they need Jesus. Well, guess what? You are Jesus to them because we are the body of Christ. So there's a work that we need to do. Uh, The New Living Translation puts it this this way. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility, what is the responsibility of the pastor to run around and, and, and pray for everyone that needs prayer? Uh, what is the responsibility of the pastor just to, to preach and get up here and have a good sermon for you so you can hear something on a Sunday morning and leave knowing, yeah, I heard something good. Now I can go the rest of my week and do my thing. No, the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. The body of Christ. That means what I'm doing, what I'm giving out, is to equip you and empower you to go now and do a certain work for the kingdom of God. Church just gets started when you walk out those doors. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of what the church is supposed to be doing. Saints are to be equipped for ministry. You'll find at this church, uh, you know, we have a, a, a system of supportive ministries that we like to get people plugged in because you're not here just to attend. You're not here just to fill a seat. You're not here just to hear a good word. You're here to serve people. You're here to be a blessing to people. You're here to receive training through the word of God that we can now go out and change our world because of who we're becoming on the inside, but even here within church, we have offered uh, plenty of areas for you to serve, get plugged in, and to be a blessing to other people. We have people that show up with children that need to be taught the word of God, and, and you know, we don't babysit next door. This is, that's not babysitting, that's not daycare over there. They're not just watching your kids so you can sit here and, and hear the word of God uh you know without them you know being a nuisance or whatever they're not they're not there to give you a break i mean we we had uh you know down in st augustine with our church of st augustine we'd had people on wednesday nights literally come drop off their kids and then leave and go out to eat or something <laughs> it happened i know it sounds silly but it's happened and they only see us as giving them a break But they're over there preaching the word of God to your children right now. They might not have a microphone on. They might not be, uh, you know, standing in a pulpit. uh, But they are given the word of God. We don't care. There is a spirit inside a child as soon as they enter this world. And they might not know how to talk. They may not understand English. But their spirit man can be fed. I'm feeding your spirit man right now. Thank God that we can, be, we can receive the word of God beyond our natural limitations. Thank God that I don't have to talk to you based upon your level of schooling or if you graduated high school or if you went to vocational school or college or if you have degrees or not. None of that matters because it's your spirit that's being fed right now. The Bible says that the word of God, it's only spiritually discerned anyways. It's not naturally discerned. You don't comprehend this with this. You comprehend this with the spirit and your heart. And your spirit's being fed right now. And so they're back there feeding spirits because they have found their assignment. They have found their fit in the body of Christ. Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. And this is kind of an introduction. This is Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to kind of be here for the next few weeks. Because uh, this is a a, a message that uh, I was going to title, Finding Your Fit. Finding Your Fit. Because it's okay, it's one thing to know about church, go to church, do church. But if we never get plugged in and never find an area to serve and never become a blessing and find out that we're actually working together in this thing, see, there's a, a, a common danger that people run into that they think church will go on with or without me. The individual. And they put all the pressure... They think that the the only entity that is necessary in the church is the pastor or maybe the pastoral staff. Well, if the pastor didn't show up, then what are we going to do? But if you don't show up, what are we going to do? I've got to create that picture in you that church is more than about a pastor preaching to somebody. Church is an area where we come together, we unite in one accord uh, uh, accomplishing one vision, one assignment, not a bunch of different assignments, not a bunch of different visions, not a bunch of different agendas. We're here doing one agenda. That's the agenda and the vision that God has given us as Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. He's given us an assignment. He's given us the vision and uh, uh, to be a hope to this city. But that doesn't happen when we all show up with different agendas and different visions. When you have, uh, when you have more than one vision, it's called division. But when you have one vision and everyone comes up under that vision, that's when churches grow. And we're here to grow this church. My wife and I—we've been here about a year and a half now, and this church is growing. We've already seen growth. We've already seen people added. Don't go by one Sunday. Because if we had everybody here at one service at one time, that's every pastor's dream. (laughs) I'll just go ahead and tell you. Every pastor on the face of the planet wishes they had one service where everybody that was on the member sheet showed up on the same Sunday. That's every. But we've got things going on. We've got vacations. This is spring break. There, There are people that are still traveling or still finishing up. We understand that. There's things that come up. So we don't go based upon what we see. And I've told you before that you're connected to much more than what you see here. There's a whole church down in St. Augustine, Florida, where this thing was birthed out of, where they congregate the same times we do. And we're connected to something bigger than this. Romans chapter 12. For I say, verse 3, through the grace given to me, If you just did a study on one another, if you pulled up your YouVersion app, or if you went through the Bible and highlighted every time you saw one another, we're going to do that next week. Because the connection that God is wanting us to make as a church is huge. It's huge. In fact, you'll find out that when God sees you, He always sees you in connection with someone else. He always sees you in connection with someone else. When we went through my church, we saw two connections. One, the body must be connected to the head. If you don't have a head, you're dead. Anybody in here, if you take off your head, your body does not function. It is useless. It cannot operate as it's supposed to. So the first connection the church is supposed to make, the body of Christ, is to be connected to the head, Jesus. But there's a second connection, and this is the one that we sometimes have trouble making in church, and that's being connected to each other. We have to be connected to each other. We have to be connected to one another. And so that's why we're looking at this connection, one another. Being connected to one another. So we being many having many different entities, having many different uh, uh, individuals, God sees us as one body. So every time God sees you, He sees you in connection with someone else. He sees you as being connected to the body. Let's keep going. For as we have many members in one body... But all the members do not have the same function. Look at that. Isn't that interesting? We don't all have the same function. We don't all do the same thing. Not everybody is supposed to be a pastor. Not everybody is supposed to be a children's worker. Not everybody is supposed to be an usher. We don't all have the same functions. But yet all of our functions coming together help accomplish one goal and one vision. I love that Paul used the terminology of the body because our body is made up of many different entities, many different members. And do they all have the same function? Does every part of our body do the same thing? No. We don't have our whole our whole body's not a foot, our whole body's not a hand, our whole body's not eyes, but yet we have eyes, ears, we have a tongue, we have hands, we have arms, we have legs. We have a stomach, we have lungs, we have kidneys. They all perform different functions, and when they all work and do what they're supposed to do, then it helps accomplish the entire goal of the body. Whatever your goal is, whatever you are trying to do that day. So we don't all have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing. According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So the first point we see, the first point we see here, When God sees you, he sees you in connection to someone else. When God sees you, he sees you in connection with someone else. You are not disconnected from anyone when you become a part of the church. But here's the thing. Now watch this. If you're disconnected, then you're not a part of the body. If you're disconnected, then you're not a part of His church. So we've got to be connected. We've got to be supporting and fulfilling a role or some assignment. Every part of my body has an assignment. There's nothing on here that's just added on that, you know what, that's not necessary, you don't need it. This is all necessary for something. And if it becomes disconnected, it's no longer connected to the body, it's no longer a part of the body. But when you become a part of his church, now you become a functioning member with an assignment and a goal to help achieve the overall goal and the purpose. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God sees the entire church as one body. God sees you and I as connected to each other. See, that's why we have to get rid of the mentality of what I do doesn't matter or it's not a big deal. See, you don't we don't think a whole lot about our small toe. But if you get up in the middle of the night in the dark and you ram that thing into your bedpost, you are thinking about it. The whole body's thinking about it. Everybody's every part of you, all of it is hurting. Amen. Well, what does the word say? When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one is suffering, we all suffer. Why? Because we're connected to the body. We're connected. So watch this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is going to kind of be our main text over the next few weeks as we dive into this further, go into this more and more. And in verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We have all been made to drink into one Spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. He's identifying your one body, But many members and you all come into that when you're baptized when you come into the kingdom of God and you get connected. To the local body church, you are now joining your member to the body as a whole and you become a functioning member with an assignment to do a work in the church. Let's keep going verse 15 if the foot should say because I am not a hand I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body. Now, he's raising these questions because these are questions that people actually have. Well, I'm not the pastor, so I'm not really, you know, I don't really play a vital role. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye... Where would be the hearing? If everybody here was the pastor that was supposed to get up and preach today, then where would be the other functions of the body, the other assignments in the body? Who would be serving the children? Who would be ushering? Who would be helping you in and out of the car? Who would be holding the door open for you? Who would be greeting you? Who would be running the sound? When we get our worship team later this fall, who would be playing, uh, playing the drums, playing the keyboard, leading you into worship, into the presence of God? Who would be doing those assignments if we were all supposed to be pastors, if we're all supposed to be youth workers, if we're all supposed to just be outreach volunteers? But no, we have different functions. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God... Has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Look, when you perform your function and when you get in your fit, you're not pleasing me. Well, Pastor Mark asked me to do it. Well, Pastor Mark said they needed more uh workers than the children's. Well, Pastor Mark, you know, he, he called me up one day and said, Hey, what do you think about being an usher? No. You're not pleasing me. You're getting in the fit and the assignment as it pleases him. When you show up and you serve and you have a heart to give and you become connected and become connected as a functioning member of the body of Christ, you're pleasing God. You are where it pleases him. Okay? Let's keep going. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again to the head, the head to the foot, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on them we bestow a greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. See, look. Some of the most vital parts of my body, this body, you can't even see them. They're not on the outside getting all the glory. See, we spend all the money and we spend all the time fixing this stuff up on the outside, right? Putting the makeup on and fixing our hair, getting the hair cut and losing weight and doing all these different things on the outside. But some of your most vital functions... And members are on the inside. If we spend only time working on the outside and we don't take care of what's on the inside, this thing will fail. This thing will die. This thing will perish. So we have to take care of all of it. you got to take care of your heart. you got to take care of your lungs. you got to take care of your kidneys. you got to take care of your muscles and your bones got to take care of those things not just what well you know they only see the stuff on the outside so i'll just pay attention to that no it doesn't work that way we've got to take care of all of it let's keep going verse 24 but our presentable parts have no need but god composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body that means no division In the body. If any division begins to show up in your natural body, what do you do? You take medicine. You go to the doctor. You have tests done. What are we doing? We're finding out why is this one entity, why is this one member working against the overall vision. And we fix it. We bring attention to those things. We don't just let those things go. Well, my kidneys aren't really working out. I've been able to use the restroom like I should be, but, you know, it'll fix itself out. No, you're going to get that stuff checked out. Well, I can't seem to hold any food down. My stomach's just not. No, you're going to get that checked out, finding out what's going on. This part of my body is working against the overall function and achievement of the entire body. So we get it looked at. We get it taken care of. So there should be no schism or division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God has appointed these in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues are all apostles. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all working workers of miracles? Do you have gifts of healing? Do they all have uh, speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gift. And yet I show you a more excellent way. So we're looking at working together, working together, the body of Christ being unified finding our fit in our assignment to achieve the overall goal of the kingdom of God. Amen? First point I want to make from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our roles do not minimize each other. They heighten each other. Our roles are not given to us to show someone else up, or to minimize or make less of someone else, but we are to have the same care for one another. We are supposed to allow every person to serve in their role and in their fit, and when we do that, we're actually adding value to the overall vision and mission of the church. You know, I I said it plenty of times in the last series. I believe the local body church is the answer for the world. I believe that. I believe if the church isn't doing anything about it, then nothing's going to happen. If the church isn't praying, if the church isn't reaching out, if the church isn't being a light in the world, then nothing's going to change in the world. And we know things are going to get worse. We know trials and tribulations are going to take place. Jesus said this, and he said, but rejoice because I have overcome the world. He said that. Amen. We can rejoice as the church, as his People, Because we've made the decision to come into the kingdom of God, not be uh, limited by the world's standards, but to find ourselves living according to his word. But in doing so, we become a light to darkness. We become a light to a dark world that doesn't want to live right, that doesn't know how to do it right. And we can show people here and there how to live and do right according to the kingdom of God. But I believe that none of that takes place if we're not doing our part. And church is more than just showing up at at, at 10.30 on Sunday morning and hearing a good sermon. Well, I went to church today. It's more than Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. It's being the church Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all day. Not just Sunday morning. We are to be the church. And so to be the church, we have to work together. We're seeing that we're one body, but we each have individual membership and individual assignments. So your assignment doesn't minimize my assignment. You'll actually find uh, that it's easy for me to talk to you about the role of a pastor, That's easy for me. Why? Because I'm just fulfilling my role like you're fulfilling your role. Some pastors may have a hard time with that. They might feel or it it might seem like they're self-serving or they're just trying to show themselves up. But I don't have a problem with it because I have to be in my fit just as you need to be in your fit. And when I'm in my fit, I'm a blessing to the body. When you're in your fit, you're a blessing to the body. There's an assignment and a role for every single person. Now, the Bible says don't place a novice in a position, but there is a role and position and assignment for everybody on any level. And you'll find as you grow in the word, as you grow in the Lord, you grow in the kingdom, that those positions, they'll change, or they'll become stronger, or you'll become more of a fit in a certain assignment. Okay. The second point I want you to see is that when everyone does their part, then no one is doing someone else's part. Say it again. When everyone is doing their part, then no one else is doing someone else's part. Prime example. I've told y'all many times, several years ago, playing flag football, I broke my finger. And for about six weeks, The rest of my body was trying to do things that this part of my body normally did. What does it do? It handicaps the church when we don't fulfill our roles and our assignments. We have to get rid of the mentality, I'm not connected to anyone, I don't really affect anything. No, when you do, then when you don't do your part, somebody else is having to make up for that and then we are running slower or not uh, as we should. I'm left-handed. And I broke a finger on my left hand. For about four weeks, my right hand had to take up the work that my left hand normally does. And you know what? My right hand couldn't do it as well as my left hand does. I'll tell you right now. I tried to limit my writing as much as possible. But taking showers, not as easy. When you don't have another hand, putting on clothes, that's difficult. Eating, brushing my teeth, everything took longer. It was frustrating and annoying, and it wasn't done. The job wasn't done as well as it could have been. Now, what did I do? Did I just leave my finger and say, well, you know, it's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll go on without it. No. I went and got it set, and I got it put back in its fixed position. Why? So now my left hand can be uh, functioning and bring its fit and bring its assignment to my body and once again fulfill that role. We're talking about working together. The body of Christ, although made up of many different members, is one body. And you have to understand that I am connected to something else. You're connected to something that's bigger than you. My This finger right here is connected to something that's bigger than just this finger. But without the finger, the whole vision can be hindered. You have to get this picture. We can't just come to church and say, uh, well, you know, I'm just there to get something. We've got to come to the church with, with something to give, something to do, and something to be. Amen? There was a quote here that I wanted to read. The only way the local church can be successful is for us to first recognize that we are individually deficient by design. Then honor and respect the gifts he's given to others. And finally, use them together in partnership and teamwork for the building up of the kingdom. The first thing we have to understand is that you by yourself, we are all made deficient by design. What does that mean? Uh, Well, the word deficient of itself, the definition, uh, it means lacking some element or inadequate. That's what it means to be deficient. Synonyms are uh, impaired, insufficient, lacking, defective if something is deficient. But if something is not deficient, it's adequate, it's enough, it's excessive, perfect, sufficient. You and I are deficient by design. God made us that way on purpose. That means you need someone else. We all need someone else. Nobody here can do it all by themselves. Nobody can. When God built his church, because Jesus said, I will build my church. When he built his church, and as he's building his church, he requires many members to come together, many individuals to come together and come, uh, uh, become a part of one unit, one body, one church, and accomplish the overall vision. If I woke up this morning and my left leg said, you know what, I'm tired, I'm taking the day off, I've been working all week, I'm gonna take it easy today. I would be hindered this morning. I would not be able to function and do everything that I'm required to do. I wouldn't be able to work as I need to work. I wouldn't be able to fulfill the assignment in my life today. But no, my leg got up this morning with the rest of my body, and said I will contribute to the overall goal like the rest of the body. And although my leg can't do it by itself, it requires all of me, although it might be deficient by itself, it becomes whole, it becomes sufficient, it becomes perfect when everything works together in unity, getting along. Amen? So we've got to understand that we are deficient by design. None of us are meant to do it all. None of of us are meant to be all of it. None of us have the entire assignment. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it by myself. I'm going to tell you right now, even as the pastor, get this. Jesus can't do it by himself. Jesus is the head of the body. But Jesus needs his body. Oh, this world needs Jesus. Oh, they need Jesus. Jesus, help them. Help them, Lord. And he's saying, I can't do it without you. You mean Jesus needs me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only does he want you, but he needs you. He needs every single one of us. He needs his church functioning in the earth. Today the world sees the church as limited, powerless. Church has become today things that the church is not supposed to be. But all I know is that God has given us a vision for this city, for this time. We are here for such a time as this. And he has given me... And my wife, the call to raise up his church. Not just any church. Not just a building that says church on the side of it. But his church. And that requires every part doing its work. Every part coming together. Uniting under one vision. One cause. One goal. In one accord. Working with each other, not against each other. Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. But we have a kingdom that is united with one heart and one vision. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do in and through us. But it requires every single one of us. Requires every single one of us. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for this word. I thank you for what you're going to reveal to us in your word through this series. I thank you that we have established your church in this city you have built this church we haven't done it man hasn't done it it's nothing that we have done but it's through what you have given to us father you need us to accomplish the kingdom of god in this city you can't do it without us and you won't do it without us so father i thank you this morning that we grab a hold of the vision that you have given us as your church as your people you have, you told us in your word, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. So Father, we take on that goal, that mission, and that vision to be a light in darkness, to show people your love, to show people your grace, to show people your mercy. When people need peace, we have it. When people need a way, they, we have it. When people need direction in their life, we have it. When people uh, need love in their life, We have it because we're your church, unified under one heart and one vision. I thank you for every single person here, every individual and family that is represented. I thank you that we have given this time to your word and that we'll continue to meditate on it, study it, keep it within our hearts, and that we will be light in a dark world. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen.